Let's, let's pray together this morning. Father, we come before you and we rejoice in the glory of the truth that it is indeed wonderful that through Christ we know you. We come this morning praying in the name of Christ, the one who is our hope, the one who is our life, the one who is our treasure. And so we come this morning in light of Christ, in light of the gospel. That's why this church exists. It does not exist because of our hands or anything we have done. No amount of work has caused this church to be here It was not because of our hand, but because of your hand and your grace. And so we come this morning because of grace, because of your son, because of you and your wonders, your lavish love that you have shown us. And we praise you, Father. We praise you, God your goodness towards us and so we come praying in the name of Christ that through him we look and through him we have confidence to pray this morning so thank you thank you for being with us thank you for pursuing us even when we refused to pursue you you are our hope thank you for helping us thank you for comforting us Thank you for holding us up when we've been overwhelmed or confused or not knowing how to proceed at all. We just come thankful that you have been with us and you've walked with us through day after day of our lives. And we look to you now this morning also as our hope. And our prayer is simple. We pray simply that your name be glorified this morning. May all glory go to you. And in that we ask and we pray, as that is to be our heart, that you'd help us to throw off all self-trust right now as we ready our hearts and get ready to go to your word, to open up, Your word that you've given, the revelation of yourself for us. May we throw off all self-trust and instead trust in you this morning. That we, that we would look to you and the righteous would live by faith. And so help us, Lord. May we continue to bow our hearts as we turn to your word. Now we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. We'll continue in chapter 14, right where we left off. So John 14, verses 7 through 14. So we are living in a day where there is certainly no little access to knowledge. I mean, more than ever... We have at our fingertips answers to all variety of questions. I mean, right now you could 
you know, pick up your smartphone or if you have an iPad, you could get that. You know, if you have a laptop, you could get that right now and just plug in whatever you want. And right then and there, all this knowledge would just be available to you for you to find answers to all kinds of things. So this, this incredible access to knowledge we have, the all variety of questions. Now, almost without fail, while we you know, eat as a family together um, you know, at the table, you know, we come across you know, with our children. You know, they, they think through a lot of things, as you know children do. And they wonder about a lot of things. So um, almost without fail, we come across something, some question or something that we you know, just simply don't know. We don't know the answer to it. You know? And so what we'll often do as we eat together is uh, along with that, we'll just play something we, we call the question game, you know? And so our children can ask any question they want. It can be a serious question or it can be, you know, a silly question, which we have both, you know, as you can imagine, um, as well as we, we do this. Well, as, you know, we all ask our questions and we all have our turn going around our table, we come across things we don't know the answer to. So, as we do, we'll, you know, often pull out our smartphone, which generally we, we have a rule at our table. We don't pull out the smartphone unless it's for something like that. It's good reason to pull it out, and so we'll pull it out and we'll type it in, you know. You know, the, whatever question, you know, we're trying to find out. You know, one of the one, recent ones was, you know, does a Venus flytrap hurt you if you, or can it hurt you? And so you just type that in. You know, maybe you don't know the answer to that question. Well, we didn't quite know for sure, and so we typed it in, you know, and instantly, you know, here are these 40,000 hits, you know, or 400,000 hits, actually, you know, on this answer. And the answer is no, if you're wondering, you know, if they can hurt you, uh, the answer is no, they can't. But we have, you know, have this, this knowledge just right there, you know, at, at our fingertips to access. But even in the midst of such a wide availability of knowledge, you know, while many emphasize knowing, you know, a good many things, you know, we hear all the time, you know, know well history, know well science, you know, know well math, know well geography and English and art and foreign languages and so on. Well, here's a question for us to consider this morning. Do we know God? Do we know God? While we lift high all of these variety of subjects do we also lift high knowing our God? And so it is that we come then to our passage this morning where Jesus, he talks about knowing the Father as well as much more also. So let's read here beginning in verse 5. May God bless the reading of his inspired word. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So as you see here, we take up right where we left off, following Jesus' powerful words from verse 6 that we know oh so well. And so we come right in the stream of the context that we saw last time. So there in verse 1, Jesus, he came alongside his disciples and he comforted them. And he exhorted their troubled hearts to be troubled no more. And he told them this. He said, believe in God. Believe also in me. And what comfort and what encouragement we received from just hearing Jesus say that. Faith. Lord, just, just rest in you. And so we were comforted from his words there and after his words there and his answer to Thomas at the end of verse 6, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so here, in that second part of verse 6 and into verses 7 through 11, we see our desperate need to know God. Our desperate need to know God. Now, the first part of Jesus' words in verse 6, we might know them very well. And in fact, as we saw, many of, the, many of you already know those, that, those verses or that verse very, very, very well. But when it comes to the rest of verse 6, you know, no one comes to the Father except through me. We will quote that as well. But these words just might, if we're honest, seem rather strange to us. You know, why does he even bring up the Father at all? <laughs> no. I mean, why is, he, why is he talking about the Father? And I mean, you know, if you go, you know, into various churches today and, um, you know, you, you, it'd be hard-pressed to find people talking kind of this way in churches, I mean, you won't often hear people say, 
you need to know the Father, so turn to Jesus and be saved. Right? I mean, when, when have you shared the gospel that way? And that's, that's no shame on you. No shame on us in doing that. But just, just kind of see how this kind of sits strangely on us in the church. Yet, Jesus says this matters because it does. <laughs> it matters a lot. While some may be preaching kind of these cotton candy sort of gospels with cotton, a cotton candy sort of God, you know, all fluff, no substance, Jesus will not have that. Yet even as we see here that Jesus' words, they perhaps are deep for us, you know, like what does all this mean? He's talking about the Father so often. And even though, even though they may be deep and trying to understand all these things, we see from Jesus' words here that they are not beyond you. Instead, they are for you. We come back to how we began and saying we have, we think so deeply and so hard on all these other subjects, but then when it comes to God, we're just kind of like, I don't know if we really should try to think that hard about God and the things of God. Instead, I'll just think hard on everything else except the most important thing in all the universe. And so we see here that these words, they're not, they're not beyond you, church. They're not beyond your children and our children before you and for our children, before us. And so, he says in verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So in the midst of their troubled hearts, this is what he tells them. And it's, and it is, and it is meant to be balm for their soul. Their troubled soul is hearing these things, and they're going, oh, <laughs> thank you, you know, rest, believe in me. And so this is help for them, and this is to be help for you and I also. And so we see this is for us, and it is of vital importance for us here and now, very practical, the very deep things of God. And so along these lines then we see it is vital that you know the Father. It is vital you know the Father. And we see that plain enough with Jesus' words, you know, in verse 6, no one comes to the Father except through me, I mean, how much more vital can you get? <laughs> you, the, you, the only way you can know the Father is through Christ, and you need to know the Father. So, exclamation point, very important. And so here, the Father, he is in the foreground 
of everything that we see here. Jesus, he is placing these things directly before our eyes and saying, I want you to observe these things. I want you to look at them. I want you to know them. I want, to, to, want you to know your God. So all he says here in verses 7 through 11, it is centered around the Father. And this confuses perhaps you as well, but maybe all of us here, but it confuses Philip very specifically. And so Philip here, you know, he, he's thinking, you know, I want to see the Father. You know, show me the Father. You know, kind of like, kind of like Moses kind of see God, you know, as God kind of passes by in glory. Can you show me the Father like that, Jesus? I want to see, see the Father like that. And so he wants to see or wants to have essentially a, a theophany. And so he isn't quite getting yet all that Jesus is saying here. And so Jesus basically asks Philip, how can you ask to see the Father when I've, when I've made it plain that if you know me, you have seen my Father? And so the implication here being, you should already know this, Philip. You should already know this. But why? Why, why should Philip already know these things. Well, in the, in the Gospel of John, Jesus, he has really kind of said this over and over again in all variety of ways. And so let me just kind of show you this in the Gospel of John. The first one's kind of a long instance, and then we'll get shorter as we go. So in John 15, the first one, Jesus, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He Himself is doing. And greater works than these will He show Him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will for the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So, you see, you get it, right? Just right there. It's, it's vital that you see this connection, Jesus is saying. It's vital that you see the Father and the vital need for us to know the Father. So that's one instance. Let me give another shorter this time. John 10, 37-38, it says, If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So again, in the Gospel of John, 
vital. One more. Jesus, he says in John 12, 45, very briefly, and whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. And so the Father has not been a side note to Jesus' ministry. Everything that he says and does is done according to the Father. He is in the Father, and the Father is in him. And this brings great light for us over all variety of passages, even passages like Hebrews 1, 3, which says this, He, the Son, is the radiance of the glory of God that is the Father and the exact imprint of his nature. And He, the Son, upholds the universe by the word of his power. So it is vital, if you haven't got it yet, it's vital that you know the Father. But you can't know the Father unless you know Jesus. And so it is vital also that you know Jesus. If you see Jesus as peripheral, then you see knowing God as peripheral as well, regardless of what you may claim, because it is not possible to know God outside of Christ. It's not even an option. There is no way to know God outside of Jesus, period. He is the only mediator between God and man. And so we see here from all of these things very clearly that who we say God is matters. And these verses, they aren't aren't far and disconnected from you, but they are right at your front door. And so Jesus, he basically kind of rebukes Philip for not getting this and so how much more for us who might say you know all of that theology stuff all that stuff that's all for the birds you know I don't really care about any of that I mean all that stuff that's for other people perhaps abstract thinkers people like that the ivory tower people that's all for them not for me but then we have Jesus's words here that are for you. They're for our children. They're for every single one of us, whether you're young or old. Know your God. It is right. Who we say God is matters. So it's for you. You need to know God, and God wants us to know who he is. He wants us to know that there is one God who has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He wants you to know that wherever you are in your maturity level as a believer. God is not three modes or manifestations of God, but three distinct persons. And so we cannot say to all of this, you know, I just don't care. I don't, I don't care that Jesus said these things. I just don't, I don't care that you're preaching on this. You know, this is just 
out of my league. You know, I just don't care. Well, God is not giving us that option this morning. Now, just to kind of maybe put this in perspective a bit. Let's just say, you know, a husband and, and his wife, you know, they're going out and, you know, sitting together, um, maybe at a nice restaurant and just kind of, you know, enjoying the time and eating together there. And, and the wife, you know, she begins, you know, telling her husband, you know, something about herself, maybe, you know, sharing her heart on something, you know. Um, it's really just been, she's been thinking about it. She wants him to know about these things. Or maybe, maybe you know, she's, she's been um, thinking about something and, and now she's sharing her thoughts with him. Or, you know, or maybe she just wants to talk about something she enjoys, you know, uh, going shopping or whatever clothes or, uh, you know, maybe a show she's been watching or whatever it is. She just wants to talk about these things that she enjoys. And so after she finishes, you know, sharing these things, perhaps sharing her heart, you know, her husband, now it's his turn to respond, and he says to her rather dispassionately, oh, well, you know, I I don't care about any of that. I don't want to really know anything about you, you know, just, just tell me the things that encourage me, you know, the things that make me feel good, you know, let's just, just focus on me, and let's just talk about me, actually, you know, let's just talk about the things I like, you know, the things that are burdening my heart. Let's just talk about those things. I don't really care anything about what you have to say. Now, how do you think that would go? <laughs> just be plain. It, it would not go good. <laughs> he would be in big trouble, right? I mean, right off the bat, it'd be my, he might as well have just ran up to a bear and kind of kicked it in its side, you know? What would you expect to come from that? So naturally, we just kind of see, well, that's, that's no good, husband, <laughs> you, know? you know? And it's no good for a number of reasons, and, and this is at the core of it, is if he loves her, he will care about her. He will care about who she is. And in fact, he will go out of his way to show that he treasures his bride. And vice versa as well. The wife will do the same for her husband also. And so, as we see that, yet we can strangely think this way when it comes to God. I don't, I don't care about who God is and all of that stuff. Just tell me what I want to hear, you know? Just tell, me, just tell me the things that make me feel good about myself. Just encourage me, comfort me, make much of me, God. I mean, just listen to the radio. That's, that's kind of what it is, you know? More of me, you know? Just basically that's what their songs, many of the songs are singing, you know? Less of you. And so, yes... Knowing God may be deep waters, but believers, friends, God, he's calling us to know on, know him more, not because you don't care, but because you do care, not because you don't love him, but because you do love him. In fact, you treasure him, just like you would want to know more about your bride 
or your, your husband. You, you, want, you treasure God and you want to know Him more. You desire, you long for Him. I want to know you, God. That's to be our heartbeat. I'm not just trying to fill my head with knowledge. I want to know you, God. I want to know that you are, see as you are in Scripture, you are the triune God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want to know you as you have shown yourself in your word. That's why we do theology, the study of God. Not because it's not hard, just like math, or history, or geography, and we'll work hard for those. Friends, I just say, across the board, throughout our churches, from the children to the adults, we should work hard also. If our children can learn math in school, my goodness, they can learn about the Trinity also. Our children have also. And the question is, Are we teaching? Are we pressing upon every person in the body of Christ saying, oh man, it's vital. You know who God is. Let's teach you. Let's preach on this. Let's know our God and adore him and worship. So who we say God is matters. And who we say Jesus is matters as well. So we aren't, we aren't dealing here with mere ideas. We're dealing with a real person, Jesus Christ. He cannot be shaped and kind of molded into who we want him to be. He is an, he's objectively these things. You cannot change him inform him into what you would have him be. He is the Christ. He is both God and man. He is the prophet, priest, and king. And so in Christ and through Christ then, it is that you know the Father. And this is what Jesus is telling Philip. If you know Jesus, you know the Father. Not because Jesus is the Father, Jesus is Jesus, but because he perfectly reflects the Father. His words are the Father's words. His works are the Father's works. And so when you see Jesus, you see the Father as well. So in Christ, you know God. Just think about that. Isn't that incredible? The creator of the universe, in Christ, you at this day in history, sitting in the pew, you know the creator of all things. You know God. You have access to the Father in knowing Christ. Your once severed relationship with God, it is severed no more. You know Him and He knows you. How incredibly personal salvation is. And how glorious it is. So one vital question then is, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Not the Jesus you've made up, but the Jesus here. He wants you to know him. He came to save you, 
And you need simply to believe and to trust, to look to Christ and see that he did indeed die. He was buried and he rose again to save you, to gulf the gap between you and God. And he paid fully and finally for all of your sins, preparing the way for you that you would know God. And so these things, they are not distant and removed from you, believer. Thirst for him. Thirst for him. Long for him. Know him more and more and more. Like the psalmist, as a deer plants, pants for flowing streams, so may your soul pant for God. May your soul thirst for God, for the living God, that you may say, when shall I come and appear before God? That's the kind of hunger we're to have. Coming this, this morning and, and coming each Lord's day, Lord, just at home or wherever you are, just, Lord, I'm thirst for you. That's to be our heart. And so following this, in verses 12 to 14 then, Jesus, he encourages us to see our urgent call to greater works and to prayer. Our urgent call to greater works and prayer. So know me that through me you have life in me and see what you'll do. So faith in Christ is essential Here he says in verse 12, whoever believes in me. So whoever, this isn't just talking about the apostles. This is talking about anybody who believes in him. But it is by faith in him that everything that is coming next is to follow. And so it is in view of such a faith in him that we see that we will do greater works. It's verse 12 shows us here. This is, this is what he says of his disciples and of us and of whoever believes in him. So after he goes to the Father, so after he dies on the cross, after he rises from the dead, after he ascends to the Father, after he, he sends the Spirit of God, greater works will we do. Now, you might, you might hear all that and think, okay, so this means that so though he healed the sick and he, he walked on water, you know, and he, he raised Lazarus from the dead, you're saying, or he's saying that I'll do greater works than those? Well, kind of yes and no. So as we've seen, each one of Jesus' works, what do they do in the Gospel of John? Well, they point to Jesus, right? They, they declare, and they all kind of signs, they all point to him and say, he is the Christ. He is the Savior. You need him. And so his works, they call people to faith in him, even as he has just said in verse 12, believe me that I am in the Father 
and the Father, or verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So this is what our works will do also. They will direct people not to us, but they will direct people to Christ. That's that's what everything in this church, all of its ministries, this service and everything else, all to point to Christ. And so we will go out in the power of the Spirit of God doing all variety of works to the glory of God that many may come to faith in him. So while Jesus, he did all the Father's good pleasure there in Palestine, these works will be, the works that we will do, they will be worldwide. The gospel will be taken throughout the world. It will be taken into prisons, into palaces, into jungles, into deserts. Mountains will be crossed. Oceans will be spanned, whether through snow or through a swamp. The gospel will go out. Greater works will we do? You see what he's saying here? And so it would be that Perpetua would die for Christ in an arena. And so it would be Athanasius, he would defend this gospel against the world. And so it would be St. Patrick would go into Ireland and win many thousands for Christ. And so it would be the reformer Martin Luther, he would fight for it. He would herald it. He would hold fast to it. Worth defending. Worth holding fast to. And so also Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield, they would awaken many and lead many to Christ. And William Carey, he would leave everything and go to India with the gospel and be the father of the modern missionary movement by which we're all living out doing today. William Wiberforce also, in the gospel, he would overthrow the slave trade. And Jim Elliott, and Nate Saint, and Ed McCauley, Roger Guderian, and Pete Fleming would all die trying to reach the Harani people with the gospel. And then Elizabeth Elliott and her daughter and Nate Saint's sister Rachel, they would go back to those who killed their husbands or uncles and would win this tribe for Christ. And many, many, many more past and present men and women, what works they have done for Christ. So, greater works than these we will do. Jesus says here, and this It has been the testimony throughout history as well, friends. And so my heart and my longing, and I pray it's yours also, more, (laughs) more, Lord. Greater works, saints. Greater works we have to do. 
you individually and all of us together have to do for his name. So may it be so all the more, but how will that happen? It won't happen unless we do the second thing here. We must pray. We must pray. You know, Jesus' next words here, they aren't, they aren't to be taken apart from what he just said about these greater works. Instead, they're, they're connected. So his, his words here are both on the saints' works and prayer. They will launch us right into what comes next in his teaching on the Holy Spirit. And so yet here, we see that apart from prayer, the works that we just gloried in and, and praise the Lord for, they aren't possible. Now, of course, here, as you probably are already thinking, much confusion has grown up regarding these verses here, and there are a lot of weeds to pull up as we come to these words, and especially the words there that Jesus says, the words, whatever, and ask me anything. Those, those words there are where people kind of go astray. So some kind of have just taken, taken Jesus' words here as kind of this blank check kind of prayer, you know? Where he just gives you this check and he, he just lets you write whatever you want on it, you know? You know, God, give me a million dollars. Oh, it says here, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Well, you better do it. Right? Is, is that what this means? Is that, is that what he's saying? You pray for a million dollars, he's going to, he'll do it. Well, no, this, is, this isn't a kind of a blank check kind of prayer. Instead, as we look at these verses here, we need to keep three things in view with this passage. And the first is this, is, we need to pray. It is, it is prayer here in view of God's character. In view of God's character. So we aren't, we aren't praying to any God, but the God who has spoken in his word. So we, we are praying to him who has revealed himself truly, the triune God who will not answer in any way that is contrary to his word or his character. So already, if you're wondering where you get that, well, just pick up your whole Bible. There's the context. Jesus is speaking in light of this whole context, in light of this God, he's saying these words. So there's your context. God's character. So this is plain as well, verses 7 through 11. We just saw that. This is not of any God you may dream up in our minds it is in view of this God. So we pray in view of his character. And then second, it is pray. It is prayer in view of Jesus. So Jesus, he has shown us who he is. And he has shown us how his desire in everything, it has been what? To please his Father in heaven. And to glorify him. So our prayers, 
what will they look like? Well, they're not going to contradict him. They're not going to contradict that. They will not contradict praying in his name. He is He is our mediator and he is our hope. He is our treasure. He is our prize. He is our joy. He is the basis of our prayers, the means of our coming before the Father. So it is him who said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. So our prayers, they won't contradict that either. They won't contradict like more of me when you're called already to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow Christ. You're not going to contradict any of those things. So he's not contradicting that here. So we pray in view of him and his words and him as our mediator. And then third, it is prayer in view of God's word and God's will. So our prayers will be in view of these, not against them. It is our longing, and it is to be our longing to pray according to what is God's good pleasure. Like Jesus, God's words and his will, known from his word, they are to be the lamp for our feet and the lamp for our prayers. So, how then are we to pray? We'll pray to the glory of God. Pray to the glory of God. This is to be foremost as we pray and ask anything in his name. And we see it here in this passage. It is praying, verse 13, that the Father may be glorified in the Son with Christ as our treasure, portion, and joy. With God's will as your foremost desire. With self dead and being put to death daily by the power of the Spirit of God. That is how we are to pray. And so in view of such prayer then, in light of Of that, do greater works to the glory of God. Do greater works to the glory of God. And I I just will say, as I said before, you know, saints, we aren't done yet. One day, this book of this age, it it will come to a close. And 10,000 after 10,000 after 10,000 years will pass in the presence of our Savior and we will glory in Him forever. But it is not closed yet. All those before us in God's Word here even now is telling us saints more and more more and more, all to the glory of our great God. Greater works will you do. So gladly know your God and go out with prayer-saturated works for his glory. So abound, church, and abound more and more, all relying upon him, seeking his face and humble, God-glorifying.
prayer. Lord, we need you. Lord, I need you. This to be our prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning and we just pray that. We ask for your grace. We need you. If there's someone listening who doesn't know you this morning, pray that would be their prayer. Lord, I need you. I need you to save me, a sinner. It may be that we would just pray, Lord, I want to know you more. I want, I want to take these things to heart and, and I, want to, I do pant for you. So help me know you more. And we pray that even ourselves now this morning as Haven Baptist Church is asking for your grace. We need you that we may do greater works for your glory here at Haven. That the gospel would go out everywhere and anywhere in our lives. So Lord, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.